Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is John Moorhead, Director of Multi-Faith Matters, and in this edition of the podcast, I'm going to introduce a new type of podcast. Uh, We're going to look at commentary. Uh, Previously, I've done some interviews, and we will continue to do that with uh, people to provide resources on multi-faith engagement from a variety of perspectives, uh, whether Christians and how they're involved in that process, or examples of uh, modeling uh, interfaith, multi-faith engagement between evangelicals and other Christians and people in various non-Christian religious traditions. We'll continue that, but with the commentary, I will uh, respond and provide my thoughts uh, in relation to things that might pop up in the news, things that are timely. In uh, this particular episode, I'm going to interact and share some thoughts with a piece, uh, an opinion piece that uh, was recently published at religionnews.com, and you will find the link in the program notes accompanying this podcast. It's titled, The Campaign is Over, Will a Biden-Harris Administration Deliver on Its Interfaith Promises? With the subtitle, the summary, uh, Leveraging the Religious and Ethical Values of Millions of Americans, Both to Build Religious Pluralism and to Solve Social Problems, Could Be a Lasting Legacy of Their Administration. And this opinion piece is written by Ibu Patel. Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Mary Ellen Geis, I hope I'm pronouncing that especially, G-I-E-S-S. I think there's a lot of value in this piece. Uh, Basically, the argument is already the Biden-Harris administration that's coming in has held a faith outreach uh, meeting or series of meetings, and a number of different groups are represented Uh, evangelicals, humanists, Catholics, Latter-day Saints, Sikhs, Jews, and so on. Um, And the thrust of the piece uh, in connection with Interfaith Youth Corps, uh, which is uh, Ibu Patel's organization, is that there is an opportunity here to provide a form of interfaith engagement that can uh, strengthen the nation, help heal divides, And the piece mentions uh, three aspects here uh, to do that. Number one, by affirming respect for individual religious and ethical identities. Two, building mutually inspiring relationships across lines of difference. And three, acting on shared values for the common good. Um, First, I want to go on record by affirming the value of this piece and this idea. Um, I have appreciated the work of Ibu Patel and Interfaith Youth Corps for some time. We don't agree on everything, of course, but uh, I appreciate the work. Um, I want to focus in particularly on number two in what they're putting forward here, building mutually inspiring relationships across lines of difference. I think that is tremendously important, um, particularly since uh, in the past that was not something that I understood Ibu Patel and Interfaith Youth Corps to be uh, emphasizing. Um, In the past... I wrote a guest piece at uh, pathos.com called Interfaith and Religious Difference, a dialogue about dialogue, where I interacted with Ibu Patel in, uh, in an episode from 2007 of Religion and Ethics News Weekly. 
where uh, Patel was interviewed. And uh, he said, uh, one of the reasons we don't talk much about prayer or questions of salvation at the Interfaith Youth Corps is we believe those are part of the private dimension. But the public dimension is what is what we can do together. And that, I think, all religious communities can profitably be part of. In fact, I'm convinced it strengthens religious identities. Uh, now, in that, that close quote there, in those comments, um, uh, Patel wasn't necessarily saying that uh, you know, all religions are teaching the same thing, but there seemed to be a downplaying of discussion of religious difference. Those kinds of things should be relegated to the private dimension. But regardless of what his views might have been in the past, uh, now they recognize that there, that religious difference needs to be a part of interfaith and multi-faith conversations. And in this opinion piece, uh, in that area, they specifically state that they need to that we need to be involved in recognizing, celebrating, and amplifying the holidays and cultural practices of a variety of religious traditions. So we need to be talking about those things. We need to be talking about religious difference. They uh, uh, put forward the idea of again dealing with these, uh, working across our deepest divides, and I think that's important from the perspective of multi faith matters. And what we do in uh, multi-faith engagement and working in religious diplomacy, um, not only do we emphasize commonalities, but we emphasize working through religious differences. In fact, religious difference might be more important than what unites us. Because if we simply talk about commonalities, there, there are several elephants in the room that need to be addressed. So the fact that they, in this piece, are encouraging that we work through our deepest divides is a positive thing. Um, let me uh, also include two areas where I think that they're going to have to include this if this uh, Biden-Harris initiative and interfaith is going to be successful, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Uh, and the first thing is that we're going to have to address uh, the affective dimension, the emotional dimension. Um, this is going to be particularly the case where conservative religious adherents are involved, particularly evangelicals. Uh, Multi-Faith Matters did a grant to the Louisville Institute where we brought social psychology into conversation with theologies of multi-faith engagement. And our research uh, found evidence that conservative evangelicals, one of the reasons why they don't get involved with interfaith kinds of activities is a fear of syncretism, a fear of compromise, a fear of contamination, if you will, that contact with people and other religious traditions holds the potential to water down and compromise their message and to blend and confuse the teachings of different religions. Of course, this doesn't have to be the case. Um, it is a, a possibility, but also the, the evidence seems to indicate that the more one spends time in uh, interreligious conversations, uh, rather than watering down one's faith, the reality is that we tend to have our religious convictions strengthened and clarified uh, by bringing it into contrast with the convictions of somebody in another religious tradition. But that's the fear uh, that many uh, conservative evangelicals bring to this particular topic, and it's one that's going to have to be acknowledged. Uh, my assumption is that those who have those evangelicals and other conservatives who are a part of this faith outreach, and this opinion piece says it was held by Josh Dixon, um, those were folks that were already on board with interfaith kinds of things, people who are already persuaded that this was a positive thing that needs to take place. We need to involve 
people like that. I would include myself in that uh, particular description. But we also need to reach out and involve those who aren't persuaded, who have these fears, who have these concerns. So number one, if these things are going to be successful beyond preaching to the interfaith and multi-faith choir, we're going to have to address the emotional dimension and the the concerns that people have about the potential for compromise. Secondly, uh, my hope is that whatever strategies are utilized at the grassroots level, uh, that they are brought into conversation with uh, the behavioral sciences. Um, I'm influenced in this area by the late Emile Bruno, a neuroscientist and and peacemaker, uh, who brought to my attention um, that uh, we've been involved in peacemaking efforts for a number of years, pursuing various models, various strategies, but very few have actually been tested scientifically to see if they make a difference. And in his work in trying to test some of these things and bring them under the microscope, uh, if you will, it appears that uh, uh, some of the strategies have been neutral, some have been harmful, and very few have actually been effective in facilitating change. So I am supportive of interfaith and multi-faith efforts at trying to build bridges, at persuading others to uh, work through our convictions in respectful and civil kinds of ways for the common good. But my hope is that we will do this in conversation as uh, peacemakers and interfaith and multi-faith practitioners. We'll do this in partnership with those in the sciences so that we can ensure that our strategies are actually uh, testable, that they're making a difference, they're impacting and changing lives. So that's my uh, two cents on this. Um, what do you think? If you're listening through the Anchor podcast, you can share your thoughts and your comments with me. You can visit our website at Mul- and shoot me an e- email and share your thoughts. And uh, I will close by mentioning that we need your support. We can only uh, continue this ministry, provide these podcasts and additional research and investment and partnership in people who believe uh, that this is making a difference. So please consider your support and uh, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in for the next edition of the Multi-Faith Matters podcast.